The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Tweet at SFM Radio and at John Herica. Uh, John Kerrick in for Songezo today. It is The Viewpoint. Good to be along with you on this Monday evening. Uh, was it, bluesy mo- it was a bluesy Monday in Johannesburg today. Non-stop rain. It was like being in Cape Town. If I wanted to live in Cape Town, at least I'd go to Cape Town. I could see the mountain and the sea. But it's okay. We'll survive. It'll come right. Uh, let's move on to another topic now. Uh, due to COVID-19, uh, a lot of virtual schools have shot up in response to that environment. Part of the Department of Basic Education is urgently taking steps now to implement policy and regulations to facilitate accreditation, quality, and legality of virtual schools. I think that first bit is important. Facilitate accreditation. Instead of just trying to shut them down, so well, let's get more accredited, I think. Let's talk to the CEO of Boston Online High School, Dr. Uh, Mr. Ari Katz. Ari, good chatting to you. Good, good evening to you. Hi, John. How are you? Always well. Uh, like I was saying now, facilitate accreditation. It's all very well having these schools. Instead of just trying to shut them down, at least try and make them useful, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the truth is that you have to recognize that we live in the digital age. And with the digital age, two things have happened. So you have this proliferation of online schools where every every teacher who has an internet connection in his garage has suddenly got a school. Mm. And clearly, we, we can't tolerate that because uh, that's lack of standards, there's lack of an ability to, you have an inability to control quality, etc., etc. But on the other hand, we, if we harness the resources of the digital age and the online schools and we regulate it and we bring it into a quality assurance framework, then there's a huge amount of benefits to be gained from online teaching and online learning. And especially, you know, I saw today that the president himself has been diagnosed with a, with a tested positive. Now, just imagine another, God forbid, another wave next year and kids start missing school again like what's happened over the last two years. I mean, the, the implications of the last two years and the loss of learning, teaching and learning, is, mm. is devastating. I mean, we're already talking about the, the lost COVID generation. Now, if we had had online environment properly regulated and properly implemented, we might very well have been able to avoid a huge amount of mm. that loss. I saw I saw a great it was a joke that was put up on you know, internet meme uh, about and they showed pictures of school kids a hundred years ago uh, in the school sitting around their desks and then they showed cars from a hundred years ago and then they show yeah. a car of twenty twenty and how completely different it is and yet we still have children sitting at a school desk same thing absolutely not only no, not only COVID but times have changed as well exactly and it's so interesting what you said just to digress for one minute you know I don't know if you saw that they released the, the Digital Competitiveness Survey, the International Digital Competitiveness Survey, uh, a few weeks ago. It was so interesting for me in that, is that South Africa came second last on sure. the list. Sure. And it's devastating because if you look at the countries that are at the top of that list, the unemployment rates are around 4%. We sit at the second last of the list and have the highest youth unemployment in the world. And the question is, what is the correlation between digital, the digital efficiencies or being part of the digital world and unemployment. And mm. it's actually pretty obvious. And it actually talks to online schools. You know, there was a, there's a company during COVID, an international company, Father. During COVID, they trained 10 million people to create international jobs. And, mm. and you think, how did they do that? Well, they taught them 
simple skills, things like how to set up a website, how to create a logo, how to um, set up social media posts. And then they got these people to literally go onto the internet and say, hey, uh, you're starting a new business. Do you want a logo? I can do it for you for $10. Mm, mm. And they, they trained and employed 10 million people. Sure. Now, can you imagine for South Africa to be part of that international um, uh, stage and being able to sell goods and services on an international level? And I think one of the things we have to realize, talking about the digital age, and it comes back to online schooling, but talking about the digital age and what you were saying about the schools are still that they were 100 years ago, that... If we want to solve the unemployment problem, we have to become part of the digital, international, global community. We have to realize that my competitor is not the guy sitting in the desk next to me mm. or the guy on my, on my street corner. My competitor is the guy that I've never seen who's sitting in China and America and, and England and anywhere else. And that's how our kids have got to start thinking. And, and maybe the one, as they say, the silver lining of COVID, maybe the opportunity of that is to leapfrog us into this digital age to online learning. Mm. Let, let's talk about that competition that you're talking about. You, you said any teacher uh, can start teaching, and, and it's exactly like that. You can you can learn anything on YouTube now. How do yeah. you control what children are learning? Because it's all very well saying, well, okay, you're, you're at... Let's take Boston Online High School, for example. You've enrolled there. That's fine. But what stops the child from going and watching some guy on the Internet and learning instead what they're telling? How do you know which one is the better one? So, you know, what? I think there's two different uh, – you're talking about two different things. Because I think on the one hand, um, one shouldn't discourage learning, whatever that learning may be, okay? And hence the huge proliferation of homeschool and, uh, teaching and learning. On the other hand, if you're teaching according to a syllabus and a structure, then um, the use of online tools, we are able, for example, to tell whether John logged on today, how much time he spent on, on, on the exercise, okay. um, how many questions he got right and wrong. And in fact, you can personalize your learning. So I can send your parents a report on Friday saying, this week John learned fractions, he can add in, so he can subtract, but he can't divide. And, and think about that. When you sit in a classroom and there's 30 kids in the class, the chances are it's going to be very difficult for the teacher to pick up that you, John, cannot uh, divide fractions. Mm, mm. But in an online environment, it's very easy for a teacher to pick up on the dashboard that she gave out these questions and these guys got it wrong and these guys got it right. And actually the guys who got it wrong should now log on and do some extra exercise. Okay, uh, let's talk about regulations to facilitate accreditation. I'm sure you know what it's like to work with the Department of Education. You've got to send in three forms for every normal one form. <laughs> is it is it an easy thing to accredit a, a school? So, you know, I think that uh, it's, it's, uh, obviously accreditation is a uh, whole discussion on, in and of itself, and uh, there are definitely advantages to accreditation. Um and where does it start and where does it finish? That's really what you're asking, I think, to mm. some extent. Um, but we definitely need a regulated environment. There's no question about it. You cannot just allow anybody sure. because there's a huge market out there of unsuspecting people who you don't have the skills to actually make informed decisions about what they are or they aren't buying. So you do need a regulated environment. The only thing that would worry me on that, which is what I think you were alluding to, is that you can over-regulate the environment. 
Um, and when it comes to teaching and learning, we also need to allow some latitude for people to actually explore. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I'll give you one example. You know, Cambridge, for example, have a great qualification that they offer for sort of matric age group, which they call RP2. It's not really much done in South Africa, although you can do it online. And it's a research thesis of 5,000 words that you pick any topic you want, and with a mentor, you actually research the topic and you publish a paper. Now, the question is, how do you regulate that? Very difficult to regulate, but is that a great learning experience? Well, in my opinion, probably one of the best learning experiences you can do, because not only does it teach you to to read up and to explore and to analyze and to criticize, um, but you actually put your own ideas down and got communication skills, etc., etc. So, if you had to overly regulate it and say, listen, you can only do X, Y, and Z, mm. then you kill it. Mm. But at the same time, there is a need for regulation. And so I welcome the Department of Education has published this last week uh, a white paper for discussion on what they call virtual schools. Um, and whilst I think it will be a robust discussion, there's no question that it's a welcome uh, move by the department. And it's actually the fact that they are talking about virtual schools um, and e-schools, etc., in itself, I think is very positive because it shows that they are looking to transform from, as you gave the analogy of schools from 100 years ago to modern-day schools. The question will be, the devil will be in the detail thereof yeah. and, uh, and how far that regulation actually goes and to what extent it stifles um, you know, the ability to foster creative thinking and critical thinking and analytics, etc. One thing, my, my son started first year high school last year when COVID, I mean, first year university last year when, when COVID struck. And the thing he struggled with the most was access to lecturers. And I guess same thing in, this is basic education, access to the yeah. teachers. It's all very well doing the course. And as you say, you can see mm-hmm. what the, the, the pupil is doing, the, the learner. But can the learner have access to a teacher? And does the teacher have enough time to be able to do that virtually? Yeah. So that's a very good, very, very good point, because actually the, the biggest secret, I think, to online teaching is funny enough, not the online teaching in itself, but the management thereof. So the way you need to manage it, and, and the danger, as you say, is exactly that, that the lecturer puts up the lecture and is never available to, 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 to the students. Yeah. And so you need a management system where you can go online and you can see that uh, John's uh, son uh, posed a question and it was never answered. You know, mm-hmm. or it took two days to answer it, and you can manage those kind of situations. But the flip of that is that you could create a, a, a forum or a blog, and, and the students, and I've seen it often, can interact between each other, which is also a big positive. But I think one of the successes of online learning is, and that's where the regulation comes in, is ensuring that you have the right infrastructure, both technologically to manage it. Mm. And one of the things that I saw in the regulation or the white paper that's published, which I think is excellent, they're asking about physical live teachers, which is exactly the point you're making, that it's not just um, a PowerPoint automated presentation. response. Yeah. yeah, it's not a PowerPoint presentation. It's not an automated response. It's not, uh, uh, you know, you type in this and you get an automated response, <laughs> but that you actually have live teachers in that. And so I think that's a great part of the regulation. So when you speak about regulation, that's a great factor of the regulation that they're going to insist that you have teachers, you have qualified teachers. And another thing that I saw in the regulation, which I think is great for us at, from the Boston point of view, 
because we have 47 centers around the country, is that you're going to have to provide admin services and facilities. Because bear in mind that in South Africa, there's a reality that a huge portion of our population don't have access to online resources. Yes. And so if we talk about uh, virtual schools and online and you don't provide facilities for these people, then to some extent you, 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 you widen the, the gap between the haves and the have-nots. Whereas on the other hand, yeah. online has got the ability, I think, to democratize education. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's it's something we spoke about earlier. Suddenly, um, <clears throat> with with virtual gaming, I use virtual gaming as an example where anybody can with, that has a PlayStation can now compete with Lewis Hamilton on a computer game yeah. and and yeah. see how they how they fare. And some guys are making a lot of money. Uh, my next point I'd written down here is exactly what you just said. Now, is this not going to create an us and them? Those with the money that can have a fiber line and can and can sit and communicate with the teacher, and then there are those that uh, I'm just having a look now. Yeah. In, some parts of the Eastern Cape, there's not even tap water. So how do you, how do you fix that? So look, you, that is a point. However, there are some solutions to that. So let me, let me give you an example. When COVID struck last year, we at Boston were extremely concerned because we have 47 centers around the country and how are students going to access facilities? And although many of our students don't necessarily come into colleges and they study online automatically, we were extremely concerned. And I must say one thing, I take my hat off to the telco, the telcos really came to the party. And they put two uh, package together which said that normally for 99 rand, you buy one gig of data for students. They made it available to our students, 50 gigs of data for 99 rand. But for 99 rand, the guys were able to actually continue online learning. Hmm. And so what happened to us, actually, which is amazing, we had uh, over 90% participation rate throughout COVID. Um, and to a large extent, it's because I have to thank the telcos. You know, they came to the party. The problem in South Africa, and and if you compare South Africa to any of the other developed countries in the world, uh, data is far too expensive mm-hmm. in South Africa. And unless we can solve that, you are right. There's a potential that we, we widen the gap. But at the same time, at the same time, online teaching and learning has the ability to democratize education. I'll tell you why. There's a critical shortage of teachers in South Africa. Everyone will agree with that. And the further you get away from the big cities, the more difficult it is to find quality math, science, etc. teachers. If we have online learning, you're able to set standards that the child in Johannesburg or Pretoria or Cape Town or Durban or Polokwane or Nelspruit or Umtata have got access to the best teachers. Mm. And... We can monitor with the teachers. You know, one of the biggest problems I think in the school system today is that the teachers often don't teach. Sure. Talk to kids and find out how often teachers just don't teach up at the class. So you talk about the classrooms that, you know, we talk about the schools that have put toilets. But, and I'm not in any way saying that it's right. Of course, mm-hmm. it's 100% wrong. But the other question is, how many of those teachers pitch up at class? Right. Now, with online learning, I can manage it and I can fire you if you, pick, if you log in five minutes late. Mm. And if you don't answer John Sam's question within X yeah. number of hours. You can see all of that. All right, Eric Katz, unfortunately, we have to wrap it up there. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Hopefully, we'll see something come out of this very quickly. CEO of Boston Online High School, Eric Katz, joining us here on SAFM. Just got nine o'clock. Let's get the latest news with Madupi.